there are a lot of movies about Jesus. And each year, it seems like hmm, there are one or two more of the making of movies about Jesus. It seems as if, well, maybe there is no end at all. <laughs> um, this year brings us Resurrection, which was produced by Roma Downey and Mark Burnett and is on Discovery Plus right now. And it follows in the footsteps of their series, The Bible and Son of God. Is that right, Paul? Yes, Son of God. Good job. <laughs> um, they have taken an interest in taking Jesus' story and imagining it in a very cinematic way, as people who make movies about Jesus are want to do. Um, and it, the interesting thing about movies about Jesus is they bring up some important questions. And we are going to talk about those on the Plugged In Show here today. I'm Adam Holtz, your host, and joining me today are... Emily Clark, Paul Acey, and Jonathan McKee. All right. What is your favorite movie about Jesus ooh, 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 and ooh. why? I, it I seems mean, like Jonathan wants to go uh, first. I'm going to totally go because uh, I'm afraid that somebody else will take mine I and know then I will be snake eyes. Um, so, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say The Passion of the Christ. And, I, I, and I've got it because... And I'm sorry if it's just, it, you know, it seems too Hollywood or something like that. But, man, I really, I mean, I thought Mel Gibson did a great job directing it. You know, I, I, I thought I, I liked the fact that Jesus wasn't a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus, you know. Right. It's Irish Jesus, you know. <laughs> Top of the morning. No, it's just, it's, it, I just felt like there's so many, like, kind of plain white Jesus. And I just... I looked and I felt it just felt a little more authentic and, and it, it moved me. It was powerful. I think it moved a lot of people. I saw so many interviews with people who, and, and on one hand, I had to be careful and not be judgmental because in my mind, I thought, well, haven't you ever read the crucifixion story? But so many people walked out there and said, I just never realized what he went through for me. And I thought, how cool that, you know, again, there was one side of me that was like, well, you should just read the book. But I thought, how cool that there's a <laughs> film out there that went so mainstream was so successful that gave people a glimpse of how far Jesus was willing to go for and us. We're going to talk about that as yeah. one of our issues slash concerns with Jesus movies today. So right. that's right. a great we, setup, but we have more people yet to answer my opening question. That's right. Yeah. You know, I was originally going to say risen, which I seem to talk about every other podcast, you know. At but least. It's a good movie. I, I really do like that movie. But since you mentioned Irish Jesus. You have Irish a poster Jesus, up in your cubicle. Yes, I do. Yes, yes since I miss Irish Since Jesus. you mentioned Irish I Jesus, lied. I want to give I a special nothing. shout out to Last Days in the Desert. Oh. Starring Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Young Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi, not the real Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was one of the strangest movies I've ever seen about Jesus and really thought-provoking. I am not going to say it's great theology, but it does pose a lot of very interesting questions. Ewan McGregor plays Jesus. Hmm. He also plays Satan, and it hmm. takes place as sort of the last temptation that he deals with before he begins his ministry in earnest. And it's pretty fascinating. Only three people probably saw it, including me, but I, <laughs> I appreciated it. And I think I have the DVD in my cubicle, so someday I'll watch it. But I haven't yet, and I'll be the fourth. <laughs> Emily? So um, I actually am going to say that Risen is probably one of my favorites. The other one I would have mentioned would have been 40, The Temptation of Christ, which came out last year. And the reason I like I like both of these movies for the same reason, because 
um, with 40, the temptation of Christ, it's kind of like what you just said. It's about, you know, the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Um, and it, the way it was told was different from other stories and that it didn't really focus on his ministry or his death or his birth. It focused on the temptation. And the reason I liked Risen so much is because it wasn't necessarily about Jesus. It was about the Roman soldiers who were trying to figure out where Jesus's body went. Like yep. they were basically tasked with finding out what happened because they did not want to admit that Jesus had risen from the grave. And so... I thought it was so cool to basically, it was almost like a historical record rather mm. than religious. And I thought it was really cool. And it's, Joseph Fiennes is the main yeah, correct. sort of Roman dude looking for Jesus. And he does and a he, great job. And he starts off as this hard bitten, you know, he's a soldier. He's a cynic. You know? He's seen everything and he can't escape the mounting pile of evidence that suggests Something's going on here. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The other thing I loved about that movie is actually how they treated Jesus because he did look like you would expect Jesus to look. At the same time, they sort of downplayed him. When, when Jesus comes back, he sort of blends in with the crowd at first until you notice him and then you really notice him. And that's kind of the way I picture well, Jesus and, being. And he laughs and Absolutely. he smiles. Yes. And I I still don't think most of us think of Jesus laughing and smiling. And um, there's just a sense of, of joyfulness in the way that they capture him. Mm. And this would have been my pick too, but I'm going to go with The Young Messiah, which is another movie. Risen and The Young Messiah came out almost back to back. And this is based on an Anne Rice novel called Christ the Lord. And if you're like, Anne Rice, didn't she write those vampire Lestat novels? Yeah. yeah, she did. She had a Catholic background. And for kind of a moment really came back to a little o orthodox understanding of the Christian faith. And I think since then has maybe moved off it a little bit. But she wanted to just ask the question, what would Jesus have been like as a little boy? And so it starts when he's seven. And there's all sorts of stuff in this movie that you can neither confirm nor deny. Some of it's drawn from the Gnostic Gospels. And we're gonna that's the other thing we're going to talk about here is when these stories you know, or drawing from extra biblical sources or imagination. What do we do with that? But I'm not there yet. <laughs> um, but one of the things I thought was incredible was the depiction of the tension between Judea and the Roman Empire. And there's this one scene where they are fleeing and there are crosses lined up all the way down the road, mm. over the hill, over the next hill, over the next hill. And most of the guys on these crosses weren't nailed to the cross. They were just tied up with ropes because typically with crucifixion, you would die from suffocation. You can't hold yourself up and your lungs fill up with fluid. And you see Jesus, little Jesus and his family going down this road with all of these men writhing and dying on the cross. And it gives you a sense of, man, Jesus knew what it was to go to the cross. And I think that scene more than any other, not a scene that you want to probably watch with little kids, no. but it stuck with me. Holy it's, cow. It's amazing how certain scenes will stick with you. Yeah. Because one of the scenes in a movie that stuck out to me is in Ben-Hur. Mm. And I used to, and I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before, because in youth ministry, I, you know, of course there's all these different choices of what you could show. And I remember working with unchurched kids 
I would show them the Ben Hur clip because I don't know if you even remember. It's just called. It's I think on the DVD is chapter. It's called Water from a Stranger, and it's yep. where it's where. You know, Ben-Hur and all the guys who are enslaved are there and they're just starving of thirst and, and the soldiers aren't bringing them, you know, barely letting them have a sip. And they don't show Jesus' face. As a matter of fact, just you, just, feet, right? you kind of see his feet and you see the back of him once, like just like yeah. his hair, you know? And he's so got you know Jesus' hair, so he's you got, know it's he's him. He's got Irish Jesus' hair. But, <laughs> but he just, he looks at the soldier and the soldier looks up at him and is like ashamed and kind of like cowers at the... Pa- it is a powerful scene and it's just so well done. So it's funny, honestly, of all the movies, I think that scene for me does it more than any of the movies. If Jesus was in it more, I think that Ben-Hur would have been my favorite Jesus movie, you know, because it's, it's, it is just such a well done film, I think. It's, oh. it's beautifully done. And the scene that sticks with me actually is when Ben Hur wins the, uh, the race, right? Yeah. His mortal enemy has just died. He's, he's miserable because of what he just said. He goes out to the adulation of all the crowds and he has this, this crown of this laurel wreath around him. And it's, it's purposefully showing how disappointing the crowning of man can be. Mm. And it's a perfect, you know, mirror back to, to Jesus's crown of thorns. Hmm. Oh man. Wow. Well, I love the way some of our answers have sort of, um, what's the word foreshadowed our conversation today, because I think when we deal with movies about Christ, there are a couple of issues that pop up and, uh, this is obviously Holy week. Easter is this weekend, and and this is the perfect time to talk about, if not the problems, maybe the concerns that we have uh, about movies that that deal with Jesus. So here's my first question. One of the things that every movie practically about Jesus and most biblical movies in general does is taking dramatic license with the way the story is told. Um, How do you think as Christians we should respond when you have a story about Jesus or even a biblical story that imports all this stuff that's not actually in scripture. So my response to that is, you know, what Hollywood movie, what movie period doesn't take some dramatic license with the whatever story they're telling, whether it be based on a true story or whatever, or, you know, Jesus's story. So I think that part of it is just the fact that like, you know, as Christians, we're inclined to be like, but what Jesus did is incredible enough on its own. It doesn't need to be dramatized, you know? And yes, there's some merit to that. But for somebody who's maybe not a believer, like especially if you're using the film to draw in an audience that maybe doesn't believe in Jesus, you kind of do have to spice it up a little bit, (laughs) in my opinion, if you're going to put it on screen, because otherwise they're not going to understand as well. Because what Mm -hmm. we get from the Bible is written out for us, whereas when you're on screen, it's not written out from you. Typically, you do not have the narrator explaining everything that is going on. So it can be a little confusing if you're if you don't understand the story and you're seeing it on screen for the first time. Well, well uh, my wife, uh, who loves spending time in her Bible um, and honestly, I think knows her Bible. Met, I've, I've gone to seminary. I have friends that have gone to seminary and we'll get in discussions. And my wife will be like. Oh yeah. Well, do you know that in the covenant though, if you walk between the, and I'm sitting there like, what? <laughs> she, and she, she just studies the Bible. Well, she loves like Francine rivers and she loves these books that are these kind of historical fiction, biblical fiction. And 
she's the first to recognize, well, I don't know. I wonder if that was a little bit, you know, far was with certain authors. I don't think with Francine Rivers, but she just loves that stuff. And for her, it's kind of fun to to enter that world of, hey, here's what maybe this whole story looked like mm. where maybe we only got, you know, seven verses in scripture. Um, and I know she constantly talks about for her, like the story of Rahab. And she started saying, I never thought about Rahab before. I never thought about, you know, some of these characters. Yeah, that's a good and I, one. I think that's, I think that's fine. I think you got to, you know, obviously you don't want to put something into the text theologically that's not there, but to give some background. I was going to say, I mean, like, I don't think it's a good idea to go completely you know, to just make stuff up that doesn't even make sense. And I'm I'm directly thinking of Exodus and that Noah story oh, with yeah. uh, Emma Watson was in it. I people. hated yeah. those two movies. They were so awful. <laughs> I was like, this was really good until you made God into a little child. And uh, what is with these rock giants? I, I What is this? <laughs> well, when you put stuff in there that like, you know, maybe could have happened. And, and you know, even Last Temptation, the scene where he's talking about the table with his mom. Remember that scene? And because, you know, as like a carpenter, that was a really kind of passion, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a cute scene. You know, it didn't take you to places that you're like, wait a second, that didn't happen. You know, it's just kind of filling in some of those, you know, gaps. And well, and, and I think that it's fine for people who really want to stick to scripture. Right. I, I know that there are, are some, cinematic versions of Jesus's life that are done word for word. You can find the Gospel of Mark, you can find the Gospel of Luke, all those on Netflix and Amazon Prime right now, as a matter of fact. But when I think about what moves me, I do like Risen, the Chosen, that sort of digs underneath and and explores some characters that we don't necessarily see that much from. Resurrection, which we had talked about, the Discovery Plus. Yeah movie um, actually does that. It takes, it's almost as much Peter's story as it is Jesus's story because it takes Peter from the man who denied Christ three times and shows him where become, it starts. It, it, it sort of begins like, like the crucifixion scene is done in about the first 20 minutes of the movie and the rest of it really explores the fear and the despair and the worry that these disciples have the confusion um they know that that he said that he was going to come back but do you really think that someone's going to come back from the dead only john truly believes peter is wondering if that could possibly possibly be true he doubts it at first and you see this progression as he goes through the movie becoming stronger and eventually becoming the rock that that we know from from the bible mm. and and i like that exploration of real human characters sometimes i think that stories about jesus can become sort of sanctified a little two dimensional a little two dimensional when we're able to dig into some of these real gritty characters, I think it brings another dimension to the well, story. And, and let me throw a disclaimer that, because uh, I think some people are scared, you know, when you add anything, because they're like, you're adding to scripture. I, 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 we're not adding to scripture here. You know, I don't think, I do think scripture is enough. I do. And when I read my Bible, I'm not like, if only God would have just elaborated a little bit here, <laughs> you know, it would have helped. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying when someone does take a story like that and how cool that, you know, our kids can actually watch a story and maybe see, you know, one of these stories elaborate, you know, like the Adam and Eve story. Our kids need to see that more. I'm, okay. Maybe I'm just oh. kidding there. I'm just but, only after the fig leaves. Maybe. <laughs> after the fig leaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, something I just thought about though, as you were saying that is it actually, I think it's good for us as Christians to ask questions. And by watching these movies, 
somebody is essentially asking these questions, you know, what was Jesus like as a little boy? And giving, you know, this is what I think he might have been like. It's more of an opening for discussion, if you ask me, because then you can sit there and be like, do you think, do you agree with them? Do you think he might have been like this as a little boy? Or do you think he might have been like this, you know? And it gives you the opportunity to to think about it. Yeah. When I was a little kid, every year we would impact the nativity scene that that we would set up on on our table yeah, yeah. right and take it piece by piece character by character and one of the things that my parents did is they would say so what do you think this wise man was thinking on the way to Bethlehem or what do you think was going through the shepherd's mind in a way we're doing just just that exercise was That's doing awesome. a lot of this That's sort of great. creation that these storytellers do in these movies it it's not meant to replace scripture obviously but it does, as you say, Emily, it does make you think. One of the other things I think it does is it it gives us a visual picture of things that maybe we've never really thought about. What would that have been like? Um, the recent stage production, Jesus by Sight and Sound, I thought was pretty incredible because I kept having those moments. And there's a scene where he comes up and, and turns the money changers table and just flips it and i'm like whoa he is is really angry and that was just a literal physical representation of a story that we've all read in the gospels hundreds of times but i'm not sure i had ever really visualized it and it's amazing to me how i can actually read scripture but maybe not think about what it would have looked like. There's another one. uh, It might be even the first episode. It's an early episode of The Chosen, um, the Dallas Jenkins production, where we see Mary Magdalene and she is possessed. And you, you know, you read, oh, so-and-so was demon possessed and seven demons came out of him. We can blow right over those narrative passages of scripture, but I'm telling you what possessed Mary Magdalene, she was scary. And again, it just sort of stopped me. I'm like, wow, this would have been intense Oh yeah, to have Jesus show up and deliver her from this. And so some of it, they're not even choices that veer from scripture. It's just the mere act of visualizing them helps me to see it better. And making us just stop and think. It's a, and honestly, good preachers can do this. I was, I was listening, I've been listening to a lot of Tim Keller lately, and he's just so good, and he's got he's this so podcast. Good. And he was talking about the story that I've heard eight million times of, you know, when Paul and Silas went to jail and started singing, and then, you know, the chains fell off and the jailer was about to kill himself. Well, he just kind of started talking about, well, who were these jailers typically? Typically, there were these retired guards and here's what it usually meant. And when he actually, it says that he locked them in these things, he goes that they were kind of in this torturous thing there that they were sitting in and they're, and they're singing in that. He says, this would have been so easy for them as, uh, you know, to be kind of bitter and be like, Hey, let, let's show this guy, you know, when those chains fell off and leave and then he would have been killed. It, it made me understand the act of love that Paul did by, hey, I know you just tortured me. I just got beat within an inch of my life. And then you stuck me in these torture things and you went over there. And, and then for him to say, oh, no, 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 don't kill yourself. You know, you, you're, you're something, you're worthy to me. That's huge. And that guy probably started attending that church, yeah. you know, and that's huge. 
I had never thought about that before. Yeah. Good preachers do that. Good films do that. Good books do that. And good storytellers do that. Absolutely. And yeah. I think I want to circle back to um, something you said, Emily. You were talking about the film Noah by Darren Aronofsky yes. from 2016. And it was a film that I have to, I, my small confession, I I kind of like Darren Aronofsky as a storyteller, even though his stories are mostly incredibly dark. This is, a, I think, a great case study for the difference between fleshing out a biblical story mm-hmm. and sort of maybe, you know, you're extrapolating things a little bit. There's some dramatic license. And then Darren Aronofsky just does stuff that I'm like, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> not, in a, not in a that little detail or that interpretive decision isn't in the Bible, but whole swaths no, of that up. story that, that, that conflicts with things that, conflicts that are actually exactly. with the Bible. And I think exactly. that, that where we get into trouble or where there's a potential problem that's in a different category altogether where, is when somebody crosses over from imaginative extrapolation into just straight up theology that's wrong. Heresy. And heresy. <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah. You know, or or things that are so far extra biblical that it's like, yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. And that one, even though that story moved me and I thought was a great conversation starter, uh, it was so far afield from the biblical text that I think you have to say, okay, this one is in a completely different category. It doesn't mean you can't watch it or talk about it, but it's not in the same category as the kind of films we're talking about here. Well, the second cluster of questions that I want to ask, because I don't think I can ask it with one question. Well, let me do it with one question and then I'll expand. (laughs) What do we do with the violence? Like you can't tell a story about Jesus crucifixion without some level of depiction of that. A crucifixion is an execution, right? And a really, really painful. And a a horrible one. And like if we had within an inch of their life or killing them or their life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we were going to do some sort of graph, you know, we could plot, how sanitized versus how graphic some of those depictions are. And some of the old school movies are sort of like old World War II movies. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you can tell people are dead, but they just kind of fall over. Whereas, you know, on the other end, you maybe have The Passion of the Christ, which was extraordinarily graphic. And then we're going to come back to, you know, what you said in the beginning. How do we process that? And what I mean by that is to what extent is a realistic depiction of that a good thing? And where does it become a bad thing? I would just say that for me, watching the movies like The Passion and seeing that on screen, honestly, like I didn't ever finish watching The Passion because it started getting too gruesome for me. But it did make me think as a Christian, because I knew it was very realistic. I was like, that's what my Jesus went through for me. I really need to appreciate what I have and cannot take this for granted ever, knowing that that is the level that he went to to save my life. And so in a way, yes, it it can deepen your appreciation for what it was like back then, because a lot of these things are historically based like so, you know, it is very realistic. And but that's the reality of how it was. 
on the other hand, if you're trying to make a movie that's appropriate maybe for teenagers or even smaller children, that's when, you know, you pan the camera off screen and you don't show them that because maybe they are not old enough to handle it yet. But someday they will be able to handle it. And that's when the camera can pan back over and you can show them, hey, this is what Jesus went through for you. Not everybody needs that depiction. Right. But some people... Like like I said, I didn't finish watching it. I couldn't handle it. It made me really sad. But I appreciate knowing, having that head knowledge. I think young children, definitely, I'd, I'd wait. Um, but when you get to tweens and teens, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we need to coddle them. I think it's, I think when you see something that's written clearly in Scripture, um, we shouldn't be scared of it. And I think, I think, sadly, sometimes. Uh, Christian parents get concerned with the sexual content in the Bible or the violent content in the Bible. You know, there's read Proverbs five for yourself and I'll let you decide what's appropriate for your kids. But it goes very explicitly about men and women and their sexual relationship. And I think it's completely appropriate and helpful for a young teen or tween guy who might be struggling with lust. And in the same way, you know, you're going to read some Old Testament stories about killing and slicing off of body parts and stuff, and the Bible included it. Why do we feel the need to edit the Bible? Mm. Um, So, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus, it happened. It was a reality, you know? And and back, we're kind of coddled uh, right now. Uh, we, We don't see a lot of stuff, and we're like, oh, that might bother me. You know, a couple hundred years ago, we all saw a lot more violence and stuff because that's how we lived day to day. So, uh, you know, I think if the Bible includes it, we shouldn't be so scared of it. I really like what, what Emily said earlier. I think it's very contextual on your family, on your kids, on how you deal with it and what you need to see and hear to appreciate it. You know, I, I, I think that the most graphic depiction of Jesus's crucifixion that I remember was actually from straight from the Bible. I remember reading it right before Easter service when I was seven years old. And it was the first time that I was impacted mm. by that that kind of sacrifice. Um, that was enough for me. I didn't necessarily need to see Mel Gibson's passion to, to feel that power. Um, and I also think that movies throughout history, they've been able to show really difficult content without actually showing it. You know, I go back to Ben-Hur. When I think about the, the the scene at the foot of the cross, you see the blood running with the rain. You see mm-hmm. the tears. You see the mourning. Um, I think that, that you can you can show it and, and let the imagination take you the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I agree with, well, really with all of that. I mean, I don't think we have to be afraid of it, but I do think that we have to we have to engage with wisdom in terms of where our kids are at, especially, and sometimes with where we're at. I mean, I, Emily, I applaud you for saying this is beyond what I can deal with personally. And I think sometimes as adults, we might feel like embarrassed if we're watching a movie of any kind and we're like, you know what? I'm not sure I can handle this. But the wise thing, if we get to that point is to say, okay, I'm going to turn this off and maybe I come back to it later. I saw the passion of the Christ once. I thought it was an absolutely stunning movie. I mean, it left me in shock and I, I won't say I'm happy I saw it, but I think there was real value in taking in a depiction of the crucifixion 
that probably is as realistic as any has ever been committed to film. I'm not sure I ever need to see it again. Like I sort of feel like once got the job done for me. It's a really tricky question. And, and you know, back to your point, as far as the graphic nature that, that some of these movies bring, it reminds me, actually, I, I had an opportunity to talk with, with Roma Downey, who, you know, the producer for, for Resurrection, and I asked her about the most powerful moment for her in making the movie. Hmm, hmm. And she said she didn't know whether it was because she was a mother herself, but she can't watch a scene where she sees Mother Mary standing at the foot of of the cross hmm. and watching her son be tortured to death. And the thing that struck me about it was that she said that that Mary would have faced that unflinchingly she would have watched this torture go down in part because this is Roma's words she wanted Jesus to look down from the cross and to see his mother's eyes Mm. to see that he was being loved throughout this terrible thing so you know sometimes maybe dealing with some of this content to your point Jonathan sometimes there can be benefit to it even if it just to understand the pain. Well, and I would hope that, I hope the Bible would be enough. And I I mean, just to say how we've been balancing it, my wife and I are actually, we had never watched a series that was on, that was just the Bible that was on the History Channel. Mm -hmm. And we've been starting to go through it. And my wife knows her Old Testament so well. And so we're sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, that was interesting what they did with Abraham there. And that's what, and when like she first saw Sarah, she goes, oh, they cast Sarah wrong. Sarah was supposed to be so stunning that, you know, the other kings want, you know, and, and it was funny just hearing her take on a lot of this stuff. But we watched it and we thought, oh, that's really cool to see this depiction. But, you know. In this last year, I've spent probably more time in Scripture in this last year because this has been a tough year and we need to go on a tangent. But I've spent a lot of time in Scripture. I've spent a lot of time on my knees, a lot of time with God. And um, it's funny, when I was, you know, 20, even 30, whatever, I would have probably rather watched the Bible movie than read the book. Mm. Um, Now the book is all I need. And when I was watching the show, all I was thinking was, oh, the book was so much better. Mm. <laughs> and, and I hope that that's the way it would always be with our kids. I hope mm. we would always bring it back to compare it to the truth. I and I hope that. that's where the conversation lies. Wow. I think that's a great place to bring our conversation in for a close because I think the purpose of these movies for us as believers is to give us maybe a deeper or a a more fleshed out understanding of what something looked like. And I think these kinds of movies can do that for us. But as we've talked about, there's still maybe ironically discernment issues uh, that we need to bring into play here, both in discerning what's biblically true and where something may be too far off base. And here I'm talking about Noah, not these movies about Jesus so much. (laughs) Um, And whether, whether it's appropriate for ourselves or for our children. I know I have one really sensitive daughter that I don't think she could handle any movie about the crucifixion of Jesus just because her little heart is so tender. And even between our kids, it may vary from child to child. So we want to give you the information and some thoughts to help you think through, well, what about me? What about my family? 
how does this apply to to us, to our situation? And I hope that our conversation today has accomplished that. Uh, and we would love to hear what you have to say on this. You can send us an email at team at pluggedin.com or contact us via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. And if you're a regular listener to The Plugged In Show, thank you so much for joining us each week as we talk about this strange intersection of pop culture and faith and entertainment and technology. And so today, for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jerry Jenkins' new book, The Chosen, I Have Called You By Name, which is a novelization of the first season of The Chosen. So um, if you're interested in checking that out, uh, we would love to send it to you. Well, thanks again for spending a little bit of time thinking with us today about these movies about Jesus and how important they are and, and some of the issues they have. And we look forward to talking to you again next week on The Plugged In Show.